Good afternoon, and welcome to another edition of The Legacy of Queens for Sunday, February 14th, 2021. Today is episode number 14, and we have a great treat for you today. We're going to be looking at a guy who is an American musician, singer, songwriter, actor, and musical career that has spanned over six decades, and he reached fame and commercial success as half the duo with his partner Garfunkel. They formed it in 1956, and this guy, of course, wrote most nearly all of their songs, including The Sound of Silence, Mrs. Robinson, and Bridged Over Troubled Water. But then after they split up in 1970, the man we're about to legacy here began a successful solo career. He recorded three acclaimed albums over the following year, five years, and in 1986, following a career slump, he released Graceland, and an album inspired by South African township music, which sold 14 million copies worldwide and remains his most popular solo work. Well, who am I talking about? I'm talking about the guy who basically was born in Newark, New Jersey, but then he settled in Kew Gardens Hills in Flushing, Queens. Who am I talking about? Well, <laughs> Paul Simon is the man on today's episode of The Legacy of Queens. Welcome back, and well, not welcome back, but welcome to the show today, episode 14 for Sunday, February 14, 2021, and a happy Valentine's Day to all of you on the Legacy of Queens. We're featuring Paul Simon today. He is the man who basically made a great career with Simon and Garfunkel, then took his uh, show on the road in, in the 70s, and six decades later, he is still making great music. So here we go. We're going to start, of course, from the Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia. Simon was born on October 13, 1941, in Newark, New Jersey, to Hungarian Jewish parents. His father, Louis, was a college professor, double bass player, and dance band leader who performed under the name Lee Sims. His mother, Belle, was an elementary school teacher. In 1945, his family moved to the Kew Gardens Hills section of Flushing, Queens in New York City. The musician Donald Fagan described Simon's childhood as that of a certain kind of New York Jew, almost a stereotype, really to whom music and baseball are very important. I think it has a lot to do with parents. The parents are either immigrants of, or first-generation Americans who felt like outsiders, and assimilation was the key, though. They gravitated to black music and baseball looking for an alternative culture. Simon, upon hearing Fagan's description, said, It isn't far from the truth. 
Simon said about his childhood, I was a ball player. I'd go on my bike, and I'd hustle kids in stickball. He added that his father was a New York Yankees fan. I used to listen to games with my father. He was a nice guy. Fun, funny, smart. He didn't play with me as much as I played with my kids. He was at work until late at night, sometimes until 2 in the morning. Simon's musical career began after meeting Art Garfunkel when they were both 11. They performed in a production of Alice in Wonderland for their 6th grade graduation and began singing together when they were 13, occasionally performing at school dances. Their idols were the Everly Brothers, whom they imitated in their use of a close to two-part harmony. Simon also developed an interest in jazz, folk, and blues, especially in the music of Woody Guthrie and Lead Belly. Simon's first song written for himself and Garfunkel when Simon was about 12 or 13 was called The Girl For Me, and according to Simon, became the neighborhood hit. His father wrote the words and chords on paper for the boys to use. That paper became the first officially copyrighted Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel song, and is now in the Library of Congress. 1957, in their mid-teens, they recorded the song Hey Schoolgirl under the name Tom and Jerry, a name that was given to them by their big label, Big Records. The single reached number 49 on the pop charts. After graduating from Forest Hills High School, Simon majored in English at Queens College and graduated in 1963, while Garfunkel studied mathematics education at Columbia University in Manhattan. Simon was a brother in the Alpha Epsilon Pi fraternity, earned a degree in English literature, and briefly attended Brooklyn Law School for one semester after graduation in 1963. Between 1957 and 64, Simon wrote, recorded, and released more than 30 songs, occasionally reuniting with Garfunkel as Tom and Jerry for some singles, including Our Song and That's My Story. Most of the songs Simon recorded during that time were performed alone or with musicians other than Garfunkel. They were released on minor record labels, including Amy, Big, Hunt, King, Tribute, and Madison. He used several pseudonyms for these recordings, usually Jerry Landis, but also Paul Kane and True Taylor. And by 1962, working as Jerry Landis, he was a frequent writer-producer for several Amy record art, Records artists overseeing material released by Dottie Daniels, The Vells, and Richie Cordell. Simon enjoyed moderate success with singles as part of the group Tico and the Trumpets, or the Triumphs, including Motorcycle, which reached number 97 on the Billboard charts in 1962. Tico and the Triumphs released four 45s. Marty Cooper, known as Tico, sang lead on several of these releases, but Motorcycle featured Simon's vocal. Also in 1962, Simon reached number 99 on the pop charts as Jerry Landis with the novelty song the Lone Teen Ranger. Both chart singles were released on Amy Records. In early 64, Simon and Garfunkel got an audition with Columbia Records, whose executive, Clive Davis, signed them to produce an album. Columbia decided that the two would be called Simon and Garfunkel instead of Tom and Jerry. According to Simon, this was the first time artists' surnames had been used in pop music without their first names. 
Simon and Garfunkel's first LP, Wednesday Morning, 3 a.m., was released on October 19th of 64 with 12 folk songs, five of which were written by Simon. The album initially flopped. After the album release, Simon moved to England. While in the U.K., Simon co-wrote several songs with Bruce Woodley of the Australian pop group The Seekers, including I Wish You Could Be Here, Cloudy, and Red Rubber Ball. Woodley's co-author credit was omitted from Cloudy on the Parsley, Sage, Rosemary, and Thyme album. The American group The Crickle recorded a cover of Red Rubber Ball that reached number two in the U.S., and Simon also contributed to the Seekers catalog with Some, Someday One Day, which was released in March of 66, charting around the same time as Simon and Garfunkel's Homeward Bound top 10 hit from their second UK album, Sounds of Silence, and later included on their third US album, Parsley, Sage, Rosemary, and Time. Back on the American East Coast, radio stations began receiving requests for the Wednesday morning 3 a.m. track, The Sound of Silence. Simon and Garfunkel's producer, Tom Wilson, overdubbed the track with electric guitar, bass guitar, and drums, releasing it as a single that eventually went to number one on the U.S. pop charts. Wilson did not inform the duo of his plan, and Simon was horrified when he first heard it. The success of The Sound of Silence drew Simon back to the United States to reunite with Garfunkel. Together, they recorded four more albums, Sounds of Silence, Parsley, Sage, Rosemary, and Time, Bookends, and the hugely successful Bridge Over Troubled Water. Simon and Garfunkel also contributed extensively to the soundtrack of the Mike Nichols film The Graduate, starring Dustin Hoffman and Anne Bancroft. While writing Mrs. Robinson, Simon originally toyed with the title Mrs. Roosevelt. When Garfunkel reported this indecision over the song's name to the director, Nichols replied, Don't be ridiculous. We're making a movie here. It's Mrs. Robinson. Simon and Garfunkel returned to the UK in the fall of 1968 and did a church concert appearance at Craft Hall, which was broadcast on the BBC and also featured Paul's brother, Ed, on a performance of the instrumental Angie. Simon pursued solo projects after Bridge Over Troubled Water, reuniting occasionally with Garfunkel for various projects. Actor Warren Beatty brought Simon into a solo performance at the Cleveland Arena in April of 72, a benefit concert for the George McGovern 1972 presidential campaign. And after that, Beatty obtained the duo's agreement to reunite in mid-June at Madison Square Garden, another political concert called Together for McGovern. Garfunkel joined Simon again on the 1975 top 10 single, My Little Town. Simon wrote it for Garfunkel, whose solo output Simon judged to be lacking bite. The song was included on their respective solo albums. Paul Simon's Still Crazy After All These Years and Garfunkel's Breakaway, contrary to popular belief, the song is not autobiographical of Simon's early life in New York City. Simon also provided guitar on Garfunkel's 1973 album Angel Claire and adding backing vocals to the song Down in the Willow Garden. In 1981, they reunited again for the famous concert in Central Park, followed by a world tour, 
and an aborted reunion album to have been entitled Think Too Much, which was eventually released without Garfunkel as Hearts and Bones. Together they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1990. 2003, Simon and Garfunkel reunited once again when they received the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. This reunion led to a U.S. tour, the acclaimed Old Friends Concert Series, followed by a 2004 international encore that culminated in a free concert at the Coliseum in Rome that drew 600,000 people. In 2005, the pair sang Mrs. Robinson and Homeward Bound, plus Bridge Over Troubled Water with Aaron Neville, in the benefit concert from the Big Apple to the Big Easy, the concert for New Orleans eventually released as a DVD for Hurricane Katrina victims. The pair performed together in April 2010 in New Orleans at the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. So after Simon and Garfunkel split in 1970, Simon began writing and recording solo material again. His album, Paul Simon, was released in January of 72, preceded by his first experiment with world music, the Jamaican-inspired Mother and Child Reunion. The single was a hit, reaching both the American and British top five. The album received universal acclaim, with critics praising the variety of styles and the confessional lyrics reaching number four in the U.S. and number one in the U.K. and Japan. It later spawned another top 30 hit with Me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Simon's next project was the pop folk album There Goes Ryman Simon, released in May of 1973. It contained some of his most popular and polished recordings. The lead single, Kodachrome, was a number two hit in America, and the follow-up, the gospel-flavored Loves Me Like a Rock, was even bigger, topping the Cashbox charts. Other songs like the weary American tune or the melancholic Something So Right, a tribute to Simon's first wife, Peggy, became standards in the musician's catalog. Critical and commercial reception for this second album was even stronger than for his debut. At the time, reviewers noted how the songs were fresh and unworried on the surface while still exploring socially and politically conscious themes on a deeper level. The album reached number one on the Cashbox album charts. And as a souvenir for the tour that came next in 1974, it was released as a live album, Live Ryman, which was moderately successful and displayed some changes in Simon's music style, adopting world and religious music. Highly anticipated, still crazy after all these years, was his next album. Released in October of 75 and produced by Simon and Phil Ramone, it marked another departure. The mood of the album was darker as he wrote and recorded it in the wake of his divorce. Preceded by the feel-good duet with Phoebe Snow, Gone at Last, a top 25 hit. And the Simon and Garfunkel reunion track, My Little Town, a number nine on Billboard. The album was his only number one on the Billboard charts to date. The 18th Grammy Awards named it the album of the year, and Simon's performance the year's best male pop vocal. And with Simon in the forefront of popular music, the third single from the album, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover, reached the top spot of the Billboard charts, his only single to reach number one on this list. Also on May 3rd of 1976, Simon put together a benefit show at Madison Square Garden to raise money for the New York Public Library. Phoebe Snow 
Jimmy Cliff and the Brecker Brothers also performed. The concert produced over $30,000 for the library. After three successful studio albums, Simon became less productive during the second half of the 1970s. He dabbled in various projects, including writing music for the film Shampoo, which became the music for the song Silent Eyes on the Still Crazy album, and acting, he was cast as Tony Lacey in Woody Allen's film Annie Hall. He received another hit in this decade with the lead single of his 1977 compilation, Greatest Hits, etc., Slip Sliding Away, reaching number five in the United States. 1980, he released One Trick Pony, his debut album with Warner Brothers Records, and his first in almost five years. It was paired with the motion picture of the same name, which Simon wrote and starred in, although it produced his last top ten hit with the upbeat Late in the Evening, also a number one hit on the Radio and Records American charts. The album did not sell well. Simon and Garfunkel included eight songs from Simon's solo career on the set list for their September 19, 1981 concert in Central Park. Five of those were arranged or rearranged as duets. Simon performed the other three songs solo. The resulting live album, TV special, and video cassette, later DVD releases, were all major hits. Simon released Hearts and Bones in 1983. This was a polished and confessional album was eventually viewed as one of his best works, but the album did not sell well when it was released. This marked a low point in Simon's commercial popularity. Both the album and the lead single, Allergies, missed the American Top 40. Hearts and Bones included the late, great Johnny Ace, a song partly about Johnny Ace, an American R&B singer, and partly about slain Beatle John Lennon. A successful U.S. solo tour featured Simon and his guitar with a recording of the rhythm track and horns for Late in the Evening. In January of 1985, Simon lent his talent to USA for Africa and performed on the relief fundraising single, We Are the World. As he commented years later, after the disappointing commercial performance of Hearts and Bones, Simon felt he had lost his inspiration to a point of no return and that his commercial fortunes were unlikely to change. While driving his car in late 1984 in this state of frustration, Simon listened to a cassette of the Boyo Yo Boys instrumental Gumboots Accordion Jive Volume 2, which had been lent to him by Heidi Berg, a singer-songwriter he was working with at the time. Lauren Michaels had introduced Simon to Berg when Berg was working as the band leader for Michaels' The News Show. Interested by the unusual sound, he wrote lyrics to the number, which he sang over a re-recording of the song. It was the first composition of a new musical project that became the Grammy Award-winning album Graceland, a mixture of musical styles including pop, acapella, escathamia, rock, zydeco, and mabangua. Mbakangua. Mbakangua. That's interesting. Simon traveled to South Africa to embark on further recording the album. Sessions with African musicians took place in Johannesburg in February of 85. Overdubbing and additional recording was done in April of 1986 in New York. The sessions featured many South African musicians and groups, particularly Ladysmith Black Mabazo, 
Simon also collaborated with several American artists, singing a duet with Linda Ronstadt in Under African Skies and playing with Los Lobos in All Around the World or The Myth of Fingerprints. Simon was briefly listed on the U.N. boycott list, but was removed after he indicated that he had not violated the cultural boycott. Warner Brothers Records had serious doubts about releasing such an eclectic album to the mainstream, but did so in August of 1986. Graceland was praised by critics and the public and became Simon's most successful solo album. Slowly climbing the worldwide charts, it reached number one in many other countries, including the UK, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, and peaked at number three in the U.S., it was the second best-selling album of 1987 in the U.S., selling 5 million copies and eventually reaching five times platinum certification. Another 7 million copies sold internationally, making it his best-selling album. The lead single was You Can Call Me Al. Utilizing a synthesizer riff, a whistle solo, and an unusual bass run in which the second half was a reversed recording of the first half. You Can Call Me Al was accompanied by a humorous video featuring actor Chevy Chase, who lip-synced all of Simon's lyrics while Simon sits next to him, silently playing various instruments, which was shown on MTV. The single reached, up, reached UK Top 5 and the US Top 25. Further singles, including the lead track, The Boy in the Bubble, and Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes, were not commercial hits, but became radio standards and were highly play, praised. At age 45, Simon found himself back at the forefront of popular music. He received a Grammy Award for Album of the Year in 87 and also Grammy Award for the Record of the Year for the title track one year later. He also embarked on the very successful Graceland Tour, which was documented on music video. Simon found himself embracing new sounds, which some critics viewed negatively. However, Simon reportedly felt it was a natural artistic experiment considering that world music was already present on much of his early work, including a, such Simon and Garfunkel hits as El Condor Pasa and his early solo recording, Mother and Child Reunion, which was recorded in Kingston, Jamaica. One way or another, Warner Brothers Records, who by this time controlled and reissued all his previous Columbia albums, reestablished Simon as one of their most successful artists. In an attempt to capitalize on his renewed success, Warner Brothers Records released the album Negotiations and Love Songs in November of 88, a mixture of popular hits and personal favorites that covered Simon's entire career and became an enduring seller in his catalog. After Graceland, Simon decided to extend his roots with the Brazilian music-flavored The Rhythm of the Saints. Sessions for the album began in December of 89 and took place in Rio de Janeiro and New York featuring guitarist J.J. Kale and many Brazilian and African musicians. The tone of the album was more introspective and relatively low-key compared to the most upbeat numbers of Graceland. Released in October of 90, the album received excellent critical reviews and achieved very respectable sales, peaking at number four in the U.S. and number one in the U.K. The lead single, The Obvious Child, featuring the Gruppo Cultural Olodium, became his last top 20 hit in the U.K. and appeared near the bottom of the Billboard Hot 100. 
Although not as successful as Graceland, the Rhythm of the Saints was received as a competent successor and consistent compliment on Simon's attempts to explore and popularize world music and also received a Grammy nomination for Album of the Year. Of the year. Simon's ex-wife, Carrie Fisher, said in her autobiography, Wishful Drinking, that the song She Moves On is about her. It's one of several she claimed, followed by the line, if you can get Paul Simon to write a song about you, do it, because he is so brilliant at it. The success of both albums allowed Simon to stage another New York concert. August 15th of 1991, almost a decade after his concert with Garfunkel, Simon staged a second concert in Central Park with African and South American bands. The success of the concert surpassed all expectations and reportedly over 750,000 people attended one of the largest concert audiences in history. He later remembered the concert as the most memorable moment in my career. The success of the show led to both a live album and an Emmy-winning TV special. In the middle, Simon embarked on the successful Born at the Right Time tour and promoted the album with further singles, including Proof, a company with a humorous video that again featured Chevy Chase, and added Steve Martin. On March 4th of 1992, he appeared on his own episode of MTV Unplugged, offering renditions of many of his most famous compositions. Broadcast in June, the show was a success, though it did not receive an album release. When we come back, we're going to take a little break. We'll look at 1993 to 1998 and the rest of the Paul Simon legacy when we come back right after this.
right, welcome back to the Legacy of Queens, and we're continuing our look at Paul Simon, who has just had an unbelievable career after almost six decades of doing great stuff. Let's pick up where we left off from 1993 to 1998. So after Unplugged, Simon's place in the forefront of popular music dropped notably. A Simon and Garfunkel reunion took place in September of 93, and in another attempt to capitalize on the occasion, Columbia released Paul Simon, 1964 to 1993 in September, a three-disc compilation that received a reduced version of the two-disc album, the Paul Simon Anthology, one month later. In 1995, he made news for appearing on the Oprah Winfrey Show, where he performed the song Ten Years, which he composed specially for the 10th anniversary of the show. Also that year, he was featured on the Annie Lennox version of his 1973 song, Something So Right, which appeared briefly on the UK Top 50 once it was released as a single in November. Since the early stages of the 90s, Simon was fully involved on The Cape Man, a musical that finally opened on January 29th of 98. Simon worked enthusiastically on the project for many years and described it as a New York Puerto Rican story based on events that happened in 1959, events that I remembered. The musical tells the story of real-life Puerto Rican youth Salvador Agron, who wore a cape while committing two murders in 1959, New York, and went on to become a writer in prison, featuring Mark Anthony as the young Agron and Ruben Blades as the older Agron. The play received terrible reviews and very poor box office receipts from the very beginning, and closed on March 28th after just 68 performances, a failure that reportedly cost Simon $11 million. Simon recorded an album of songs from the show, which was released in November of 97. It was received with very mixed reviews, though many critics praised the combination of doo-wop, rockabilly, and Caribbean music that the album reflected. In commercial terms, Songs from the Cape Man was a failure, but it found Simon missing the top 40 of the Billboard charts for the first time in his career. The cast album was never released on CD, but eventually became available online. Now, after the disaster of the Cape Man, Simon's career was again in an unexpected crisis. However, entering the new millennium, he maintained a respectable reputation, offering critically acclaimed new material and receiving commercial attention. In 1999, Simon embarked on a North American tour with Bob Dylan, where each alternated as headline act with a middle section where they performed together, starting on the 1st of June and ending on September 18th. The collaboration was generally well-received with just one critic, Seth Rogovoy from the Berkshire Eagle, questioning the collaboration. In an attempt to return successfully to the music market, Simon wrote and recorded a new album very quickly, with You're the One arriving in October of 2000. The album consisted mostly of folk pop writing combined with foreign musical sounds, particularly grooves from North Africa. While not reaching the commercial heights of previous albums, it managed at least to reach both the British and the American Top 20. It received favorable reviews and received a Grammy nomination for Album of the Year. He toured extensively for the album, and one performance in Paris was released to home video. 
In the aftermath of the September 11th attacks, Simon sang Bridge Over Troubled Water on America, a tribute to heroes, a multi-network broadcast to benefit the September 11th telethon fund and performed The Boxer at the opening of the first episode of Saturday Night Live after September 11th. In 2002, he wrote and recorded Father and Daughter, the theme song for the animated family film The Wild Thornberrys Movie. The track was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Song. In 2003, he participated on another Simon and Garfunkel reunion. One year later, Simon's studio albums were re-released, both individually and together in a limited edition nine-CD boxed set. Paul Simon, the studio recordings, 1972-2000. At the time, Simon was already working on a new album with Brian Eno called Surprise, which was released in May of 2006. Most of the album was inspired by the September 11th terrorist attacks, the Iraq invasion, and the war that followed. In personal terms, Simon was also inspired by the fact of having turned 60 in 2001, which he humorously referred to an old from You're the One. The surprise was a commercial hit reaching number 14 in the Billboard 200 and number 4 in the UK. Most critics also praised the album, and many of them called it a comeback. Stephen Thomas Erlewine from All Music wrote that Simon doesn't achieve his comeback by reconnecting with the sound and spirit of his classic work. He has achieved it by being as restless and ambitious as he was at his popular and creative peak, which makes Surprise all the more remarkable. The album was supported with a successful Surprise tour from May to November of 2006. March of 2004, Walter Yenikoff published a book called Howling at the Moon, in which he criticized Simon personally and for his tenuous business partnership with Columbia Records in the past. In 2007, Simon was the inaugural recipient of the Gershwin Prize for a Popular Song, awarded by the Library of Congress, and later performed as part of a gala of his work. Well, after living in Montauk, New York, for many years, Simon relocated to New Cannon, Connecticut. Simon is one of a small number of performers who are named as the copyright owner on their recordings. Most recordings have the recording company as the name owner of the recording. This noteworthy development was spearheaded by the Bee Gees after their successful $200 million lawsuit against RSO Records, which remains the largest successful lawsuit against a record company by an artist or group. All of Simon's solo recordings, including those originally issued by Columbia Records, are currently distributed by Sony Records' Legacy Recordings Unit. His albums were issued by Warner Music Group until mid-2010. Mid-2010, Simon moved his catalog of solo work from Warner Brothers Records to Sony Columbia Records, where Simon and Garfunkel's catalog is. Simon's back catalog of solo recordings would be marketed by Sony Music's Legacy Recordings Unit. February of 2009, Simon performed back-to-back shows in New York City at the Beacon Theater, which had recently been renovated. Simon was reunited reunited with Art Art Garfunkel at the first show, as well as with the cast of The Cape Man. Also playing the band was Graceland bassist Bakithi Kumalo. In May of 2009, Simon toured with Garfunkel in Australia, New Zealand, and Japan. 
In 2009 of October, they appeared together at the 25th anniversary of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame concert at Madison Square Garden in New York City. The pair performed four of their most popular songs, The Sounds of Silence, The Boxer, Cecilia, and Bridge Over Troubled Water. Simon's album, So Beautiful or So What, was released on the Concord Music Label Group on April 12, 2011. The album received high marks from the artist. It's the best work I've done in 20 years. It was reported that Simon attempted to have Bob Dylan guest on his album. On November 10th of 2010, Simon released a new song called Getting Ready for Christmas Day. It premiered on National Public Radio and was included on the album So Beautiful or So What. The song samples a 1941 sermon by the Reverend J.M. Gates, also entitled Getting Ready for Christmas Day. Simon performed the song live on the Colbert Report on December 16th of 2010. The first video featured J.M. Gates giving the sermon and his church in 2010 with its display board showing many of Simon's lyrics. The second video illustrates the song with cartoon images. In the premiere show of the final season of The Oprah Winfrey Show on September 10th, 2010, <clears throat> Simon surprised Oprah, Oprah and the audience with a song dedicated to Oprah and her show lasting 25 years, an update of a song he did for her show's 10th anniversary. Rounding off his 2011 world tour, which included the United States, the UK, the Netherlands, Switzerland, and Germany, Simon appeared at Ramat Gan Stadium in Israel in July of 2011, making his first concert appearance in Israel since 1983. September 11, 2011, Paul Simon performed The Sound of Silence at the National September 11 Memorial and Museum site of the World Trade Center on the 10th anniversary of the September 11 attacks. February 26, 2012, Simon paid tribute to fellow musicians Chuck Berry and Leonard Cohn, who were the recipients of the first annual Penn Awards for songwriting excellence at the JFK Presidential Library in Boston, Massachusetts. In 1986, Simon was awarded an honorary doctor of music degree from Berklee College of Music, where he has served on the board of trustees. January 5th, 2012, Simon released a 25th anniversary box set of Graceland, which included a remastered edition of the original album. The 2012 documentary film Under African Skies, the original 1987 African concert from Zimbabwe, an audio narrative. The story of Graceland is told by Paul Simon in other interviews as paraphernalia. He played a few concerts in Europe with the original musicians to commemorate the anniversary. December 19th of the same year, Simon performed at the funeral of Victoria Lee Soto, a teacher killed in the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting. June 14, 2013, at Sting's Back to Bass Tour, he performed his song The Boxer and Sting's Fields of Gold with Sting. September 2013, Simon delivered the Richard Elliman Lecture in Modern Literature at Emory University. Now, in February 2014, Simon embarked on a joint concert tour titled On Stage Together with English Musician Sting, playing 21 concerts in North America. The tour continued in early 2015 with 10 shows in Australia and New Zealand and 23 concerts in Europe, ending on April 18, 2015. August 4, 2015, Simon performed Me and Julio Down by the Schoolyard, Homeward Bound and Late in the Evening, alongside Billy Joel at the final concert 
of Nassau Coliseum on Long Island, New York. September 11, 2015, Simon appeared during the premiere week of The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Simon, who performed Me and Julio Down by the Schoolyard with Colbert for his surprise appearance, had been promoted prior to the show as Simon and Garfunkel tribute band Troubled Waters. Simon's additional performance of An American Tune was posted as a bonus on the show's YouTube channel. He also wrote and performed the theme song for the comedian Louis C.K.'s show Horace and Pete, which debuted January 30th of 2016. The song, which can be heard during the show's opening, intermission and closing credits, is sparse, featuring only Simon's voice and an acoustic guitar. Simon made a cameo appearance on screen in the 10th and final episode of the series. June 3rd, 2016. Simon released his 13th solo studio album, Stranger to Stranger, via Concord Records. He began writing new material shortly after releasing his 12th studio album, So Beautiful or So What, in April of 2011. Simon collaborated with an Italian electronic dance music artist, Clap Clap, on three songs, The Werewolf, Street Angel, and Wristband. He was introduced to him by his son, Adrian, who was a fan of his work. The two met up in July of 2011 when Simon was touring behind So Beautiful or So What in Milan, Italy. He and Clap Clap worked together via email over the course of making the album. Simon also worked with longtime friend Roy Haley, who is listed as co-producer on the album. I always liked working with him more than anyone else, Simon noted. Following the release of the album, Simon noted that showbiz doesn't hold any interest for me and discussed future retirement, stating, I'm going to see what happens if I let go. July 25, 2016, he performed Bridge Over Trouble Water at the 2016 Democratic National Convention. May 24, 2017, he debuted a new version of Questions for the Angels, which is jazz guitarist, Bill Frizzell, Frizzelli on the Late Show with Stephen Colbert. February 5th, 2018, Simon announced his retirement from touring in a letter to fans, citing time away from his family and the death of longtime guitarist Vincent Nugini as key factors. But he did not rule out performing live altogether. At the same time, it was announced that he would embark on his farewell concert tour on May 16th in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada at Rogers Arena, Homeward Bound. The farewell tour encompassed shows across North America, the United Kingdom, and Europe. And Simon played his final concert in Flushing Meadows, Corona Park, Queens, New York, on September 22nd, 2018. September 7, 2018, Simon released his 14th album in the Blue Light, consisting of re-recordings of select lesser-known songs from his catalog, often altering their original arrangements, harmonic structures, and lyrics. Simon announced his return to the live stage to close San Francisco's Outside Lands Festival on Sunday, August 11, 2019, with an appearance at the Golden Gate Park event and planned to donate his net proceeds to local environmental nonprofit organizations. In an in-depth interview reprinted in American Songwriter, Simon discusses the craft of songwriting with musical journalist, journalist Tom Moon. In the interview, Simon explains the basic themes in his songwriting, love, family, and social commentary, as well as the overarching messages of religion, spirituality, and God in his lyrics. 
Simon goes on in the interview to explain the process of how he goes about writing songs. The music always precedes the words. The words often come from the sound of the music and eventually evolve into coherent thoughts or incoherent thoughts. Rhythm plays a crucial part in the lyric making as well. Like It's like a puzzle to find the right words to express what the music is saying. And then, of course, he did projects for Broadway, film and television, Saturday Night Live. He had awards and honors. And his personal life and philanthropy and discography all were mentioned in the Wikipedia. Well, that is a look at Paul Simon, and it is a rich one for all we know. And he continues to dominate his genre with great music at his current age of 79 still doing what he does best, vocals and guitars, and he is still active to this day. Thank you for joining me here on the Legacy of Queens. Next time on the program, we're going to be looking at, because I have it ready to go, Maria Callas. She was born in Manhattan, New York City, and then she basically moved into her first apartment in the heavily ethnic Greek neighborhood of Astoria, Queens. So we'll look at her life, Maria Callas. And she died in Paris, France. But she was an American-born Greek soprano, the opera singer. That's next week on The Legacy of Queens, episode 15. Have a great rest of the weekend. I'm Jason Ecanio, hoping you always be honest, be real, and keep it simple, stupid. Yes. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Thank you.